Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I Yes, good morning everybody. This is Annie for Showreel and we're going to focus on Australian film. And as I said in the previous program, we're going to be looking at the Namajira Project. I got to speak to Sophia Marinos, who is one of the uh, people who work at a great organisation called Big Art. They're a a group of people who are Sydney-based, I think, who uh, uh, work for uh, social change using art. And uh, this is where the uh, Namajira project came about. But I'll I'll let uh, Sophia uh, speak for herself. And it's a fascinating discussion I found and as I said I think the film itself is absolutely riveting in a whole lot of ways so let's go and have a chat with Sophia. Okay we'll start off with uh, what your role was uh, Sophia in the making of the Namajira project. Sure. Um, Annie, my role has encompassed a lot, but I, I essentially am the producer of the film. But because it's a film by a company called Big Art, an arts and social change company, our role as a producer is encompasses many things. It's a, actually a creative producer role and we run projects that um, operate at the grassroots with workshop programs. You know, we create theatre and film and exhibitions and we also drive forward a, a social justice strategy. So my role as producer of the film has also encompassed those other things. Now, it's not called Namajira, as some people have been calling it. It's called Namajira Project. Mm. So it actually has a, a range of strands running through this film. So how did you get to this project Sure. The project grew out of um, the work of Big Art in Alice Springs and actually south of Alice Springs in the Pitjantjatjara lands. Uh, and we were introduced via this other project, Napaji Napaji, to the Namajira family. Um, so it sort of was a legacy project to that previous project. But yeah, this project um, really from its from the outset set out to work with the Namajira family to ask them what if we worked with you to make a play about your grandfather's life what would you like to happen at the grassroots and the family and group of artists who are practicing artists still in the Namajira watercolor tradition they were very clear that they they wanted to teach their young ones to paint and because Big Art is a company that runs these sort of workshop and grassroots processes, that's what we 
in turn got funding to do was to run um, workshops out on country and with young people in Hermansburg, connecting them with their elders to share stories and share their craft and connect with language and country and culture. And so Who gave you that funding? Oh, the project, we have <laughs> scrambled for funding over the eight years of the project, but we've got it from many places, Annie, actually, like um, the federal... And individuals as well. Individuals, ph- philanthropic donors, investors, as well as federal government sort of project-based funding through Ministry of the Arts or Indigenous Affairs, um, FAXIA, um, as well as various grants through philanthropy. So it's been really piecemeal, but we've pulled it together. Arts New South Wales and the Australia Council, those those two. You're pretty amazing. Um, uh, uh, the kernel of your organisation, how did that happen? Oh, I know that's not what we're talking about. That's but okay. Like Scott know. Rankin, who is Big Arts Creative Director and CEO, he founded the company back in 92 in Burnie on the northwest coast of Tasmania when the town was experiencing economic downturn as a result of the closure of pulp mill down there. And Scott is, you know, he teamed, he's quite a visionary himself, but he also teamed up with another mate of his, John Bakes, and they thought, let's do something about this. Let's work with people that are being really impacted by this economic downturn. And you know, like young mums and people really on the margins of society and um, use art to engage them and to tell their stories because their stories in this tough time are the invisible stories. And since that time, that's really been Big Art's mission is to, to find the voices that are suppressed and the invisible stories in this country and really bring them to light and and put them in front of mainstream audiences, whether they be theatre audiences, film or, you know, influencers, ministers, politicians. Fascinating, though. Uh, This is a perfect example of uh, not just bringing the voices to the mainstream but not exploiting those voices. You actually have a social contract with the people that you're uh, working with, basically. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the we our projects are deliberately long term. They run. I mean, Namajira has been going for eight years, and that's really about developing deep and abiding relationships with the communities that we work with to work with them to, to facilitate the, their telling of their own stories. And in that way, Big Art is really a facilitator and brings a lot of expertise in and, you know, virtuosic artists and, you know, incredible producers and experts, you know. Um, but it really is about facilitating a community telling its own stories and also, you know, empowering with, with new skills and networks and connections so that when the project ends, um, that community hopefully is left with a legacy that is their own strength that has been built throughout the project. Now let's go to that uh, the actual project itself, like uh, the play, for example, the, and the movie. We'll talk about the movie because obviously the program that this is playing on is actually about Australian movies. And this is a really fascinating way of uh, bringing together people to make a film. Um, Obviously, films are a great vehicle for getting ideas across. But one of the things that came out for me was the way the people making the Scott, who's the director and writer of, well... The play, play, yes. Uh, If you go and see the film, you'll understand why I 
uh, hovered around that word writer because there's a whole lot of people who are collaborating in this, but they get permission to be able to use their, tell their grandfather's story, Namajira's story. Now, this is very enlightening about uh, Aboriginal uh, process or maybe the Oranta people's process. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you mean Big Art got permission to tell a story or they... The they community? gave, the community gave permission. Mm. They did, yeah. Look, I mean, the Namajira family and that community have been incredibly generous with their yeah. story. And I think, I mean, Big Art had a, a good reputation already in the area through this previous project, Napaji Napaji, but there was a very instantaneous trust that we were privileged enough as a company to be given on behalf of the Namajiras. And well, see, no, it's quite different, you know, because in a way, if someone's going to write a biography or something like that, they can just write a biography of somebody. That's right. They yeah. become public knowledge. Mm. You know, uh, they, they talk about this all the time, that people who are celebrities belong to the public. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're saying that his story belongs to them, mm. which is quite a revealing kind of approach to life, really. Yeah, and look, that exactly goes to the heart of the way Big Art operates. And, and for the Namajira story, I mean, that, that story of Albert Namajira has been written in books numerous, numerous times. And that's not what we wanted to do because as a company, we wanted to put the Namajira family front and centre and show that this is really not just a historical story. This is a story of today. Like these family members carry forward the legacy of Albert Namajira today. And some of that is very positive in the in the art movement and them being painters themselves and supporting their own families and communities but some of that legacy is also very challenging to do with the the you know injustice that has occurred around um the rights to Nemajira's works and the copyright so we really we were really deliberate about about telling that human story in a really contemporary way that partnered and collaborated deeply with the Namajira family themselves. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio. 3CR. You're invited to the Indigenous and Grassroots Movement Solidarity Gathering on the 7th and 8th of October at the Victoria Trades Hall in Nam, Melbourne. Speakers from Latin America, so-called Australia, West Papua, Aotearoa and other communities will come together to share their struggles, setbacks and victories. In two days of speakers, workshops, stalls, music, food, discussion, building bridges and more. The 2017 Indigenous and Grassroots Movement Solidarity Gathering, October 7th and 8th at the Victoria Trades Hall. While colonialism, capitalism and neoliberalism are global, so is the resistance. For more information, including donations and how to volunteer, email lasnet.solidarity at gmail.com or call 0425-539-149. A 3CR supporter.
My name's Molly Reynolds and I make documentaries like Another Country and I support 3CR because it is a radio station that once you start listening to, you can't stop. That's right. And, uh, of course, you're listening to Showreel with Annie. And we're in the middle of listening to a conversation I had with Sophia Marinos, who is part of Big Art and was the producer of uh, Namajira Project, which is a documentary that is on at the moment, showing at the moment. It is a fascinating film it, on a whole lot of levels. It's, uh, and as I have already said in the interview, that there's lots of strands in this film. Anyway, I'll, I'll continue with this conversation with Sophia because, in actual fact, she says it so much better than I do. It's easy for people to forget the past. Uh, often people forget, uh, say, the power differential between men and women, for example. They see it as being a historical thing. Mm. Uh, but it was fascinating in, in Namajira uh, Project to see and hear the voices of the commentators and the way they presented Aboriginal people mm. in newsreels. And, in fact, to hear Namajira's voice. Mm. Yes, and that is something that, People uh, often gasp when they see the film or they saw the play um, is the voices of those commentators and realising that that was 50 years ago. But, you know, it's shocking to hear the way that Aboriginal people were spoken about. I mean, in the film you hear that Albert Namajiri is likened to the apes, you know, at the zoo. It's that really horrifying. confronting. It is quite confronting. Mm. I mean, I've heard other stories about Namajira's, uh, you know, that thing about uh, uh, being presented to the Queen as a curiosity, that in fact he was locked in a room and then presented to her, you know, like he was separated as a person before he was allowed to then trot out and shake her hand. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've heard stories about uh, Namajira and also him coming here and that the uh, George uh, Mora was the gallery that mm. he was exhibited at. Because there's certain people who had never considered Namajira as anything other than as a person. Mm. But then that was quite obviously Certainly unusual. he was paraded as a, as a pin-up boy and as a museum piece in many ways. But he was a man, from what I understand, of such integrity and such intelligence. He was multilingual. You know, he was a really... Really entrepreneurial spirit, Albert, and he was, wasn't he? And mm. and that notion that it was very practical. Uh, it was great to have uh, other jigsaw pieces put into place about his uh, early life and uh, what pr- uh, what uh, pushed him mm. to finding some way of making money. The, yeah. I mean that dreadful thing about the deaths of children of scurvy in, mm. in uh, 1928. It's just uh, really, uh, it's a shame job, basically. Mm. I think it is a shame job and it was really tough, tough, harsh times. But that that mission at Hermansburg set up by the Lutherans was quite unique. You know, the, the pastors that ran the mission were really collaborative with the Aboriginal community. I mean, the Bibles were translated into Arenda. There was a tannery. There was a lot of work going on. I mean, Pastor Albrecht... That's quite a lot of love, really. A lot of love. Pastor Albrecht turned away the welfare cars that were coming to pick up the so-called half-caste kids because he said, no, they need to be with their mothers. I mean, you, there is it's a lot of conjecture around missions, but 
you know, in my opinion, that mission and the people that ran it were really respectful, working within a particular era, of course. But um, I think that that is what laid the groundwork for Albert to really draw on his strength and be the man that he was. He was supported by not just his own community, Arunda community, but by the white people around him, by Rex Batterby and Pastor Albrecht and, you know, there's a whole swathe of people that that supported uh, and, you know, rallied around him that helped his success. The making of the film, uh, obviously, I mean, it, the project went from for eight years because what it was really about was doing the theatrical show, but it was also about the notion of being able to actually get the copyright back, which was sold for $8,500 by the public trustee. Quite extraordinary. Correct. Yes, really extraordinary. And we are still, like, part of the film is a campaign that runs alongside it, and we are uncovering facts about that, you know, as we speak. The 8500 that we've always talked about as a sale by the government and what a travesty of justice and negligence and all these things. It was actually, we've since spoken to the public trustee who oversaw the sale. Um, I actually met with him in Darwin not so long ago and it was a mistake. It was never meant to be a sale. It was a paying out of royalties owing over the next seven years and apparently, you know, that... Um, agreement was yeah agreement was meant to expire in 1989 and for whatever reason poorly drafted agreement etc it's just rolled over and in the meantime legend press who um, control the copyright have claimed ownership and this is what we're really trying to get to the bottom of now this is a great travesty of justice that the Nemajira family don't own the copyright to their grandfather's works in Nemajira's will he left his estate to his wife and children um, it was passed to the public trustee to to be the executor when he died um, and from then you know, from 1983 when they supposedly sold it, that the Namajiras haven't earned a cent, nor have they had any control over where those reproductions are published. Oh, it's cheeky, isn't it? Very <laughs> cheeky indeed. In fact, it's one of those uh, things that calls for how do you lie straight in bed. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? When you think about it, the ethics and the morals of it, it's out of this world. I mean... It's a product of its time, but the fact that it hasn't been made right, you know, in oh, all this, this time. It's it's like, uh, what is it, Paul Kelly's song, Special Treatment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> special Treatment. Mm. Um, the uh, film itself it is quite extraordinary because it follows the uh, play. The uh, There's so many things in it that I find extraordinary. It's not just the interaction of yourself and others with the Aboriginal people in that family. But uh, but also and the bonds that you create quite clearly, but also and how that was captured because it's a long time to mm. be, and you, you'd have to know which things to film and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Who, who did actually do the filming? So that it, that was a real challenge on a low budget film <laughs> such as ours. Sarah Davies was our cinematographer and uh, director, and she she and I worked alongside each other. Really closely over. It's very intimate. It is over the many years of of the project. Davo, known affectionately as Davo, um, she she 
got to know, like I did, the Namajira family by sitting side by side and chatting and, you know, out the front of theatres and always having a camera around, sometimes using it, sometimes not using it, but really building strong rapport and trust. I mean, Kevin Namajira is one of the main um, protagonists in the film. So you chose him or did the group choose him? He... He emerged very early on. His eyes lit up around the prospect of participating in the theatre show. I mean, he's a cultural leader. Um, He's a very quiet man, but he has a very strong presence and he sort of chose himself, really, stepped forward and was intent on being part of the the first premiere season of the play in Sydney and from then on toured, you know, around the country and then came to London along with Lenny Namajira. Went off to see the Queen. That's right. That's right. But I was just going to say that, Kevin, you know, being such a shy and quiet man, you, you wouldn't actually normally pick him to be your protagonist because, you know, often he doesn't say much. But what Sarah Davies' skill is is actually capturing the things that he's saying when he's not even speaking, you know, in his silence and just in his presence, as well as the the things that he does say being very important and and very astute, and you know that is her that is her real skill. Yeah, yeah, it's very compelling. I, I agree with you, especially when they're in London. It was very clear. Mm. Uh, also, uh, it was good to get. Uh, uh, his uh, the housing officer who obviously was uh, quite sympathetic, yeah. uh, a real human being, uh, and uh, seeing how uh, the practicalities of life, uh, the melding of the two cultures, uh, how it's like uh, water and oil. Mm. It's quite, <laughs> and yeah. why it's like water and oil. Mm. It, it's actually could easily be solved if uh, one side had more mm. sympathy. Mm. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the film that uh, I really recommend people to go and see because, one, there's a social justice issue involved, but just plain and simple, the business about the the copyright, but also about one of the great Australians. I mean, he is a cross-cultural uh, uh, person, uh, Namajera, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, his friendship with Rex Batterby you know, that intercultural exchange was pioneering for its time. It was incredibly unusual for for both of them. Um, And, you know, Albert really did walk between worlds worlds and that really is part of his entrepreneurship and what he wanted to achieve for himself and his family at that time. But obviously... Uh, it came with a lot of contradictions, as you see in the film. You know, he was he was given citizenship. He didn't want it. He tried to reject it numerous times. Well, that was the classic case of we own you. Well, you're earning lots of money, so we need you to be a citizen so that we can tax, tax you. you. Yeah, <laughs> that was so so uh, blatant and so <coughs> so clear. Mm. The play itself is quite revolutionary, and the actors that uh, play in it. It, it's really quite an amazing uh, edifice, really, the play. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, I mean... Um, I love the sets. Yeah, but, beautiful. Genevieve Dugard designed the sets. It's a beautiful sculptural rock piece that um, formed many different elements of the play. But I think, you know, the play sold out wherever it went and people flocked to come and see it. 
and people came out of the woodwork with their Namajira paintings and prints and portraits. And because we went all around the country, you know, regional towns particularly, people would kind of see a news report or come to the show and then ask if they could give a painting or show the Namajira family who were always on tour with the play, you know, what they had. Um, and I think it's just testament to the fact that this story, the human story of Albert Namajira and his family has not been told in a way that's very accessible to the mainstream public. I mean, everyone remembers the name and the artworks and the prints and certainly the galleries around Australia, you know, Araluan Centre in Alice Springs and the National Gallery in Canberra, Art Gallery of New South Wales and Goma in Queensland, you know, have been very good at promoting and exhibiting the works, you know, time after time. But it it's not till there's a play or the film that it becomes a real human story. And I think that's what really makes it all pop and really invites people in to understand the complexities of Albert's life and, you know, what what that means for today and has has anything changed you know that's one of the questions that the film asks yeah yeah uh before you go one of the things that gets repeated or almost like a dream because i'm not sure i actually heard it but i'm sure i did was that namajira namajira is not my name it it's it said several times throughout the uh film and it's related to his father's aunt songline can you tell me about that? Yeah, so his name was actually Numajirja. Ah, um, and Namajira was sort of given to him what was an evolution of the name from... Easier for West. Yeah, for white fellas to say. But I think that moment, you know, that echo in the play is is really about the the crossing of cultures and, you know, about the negotiating and of of his own life and the ownership of his story, like who owns his story, who owns his name. You know, it's by the end of his life he was a bit despairing, you know, like his artworks and his story was out there, you know, it had been divorced from him and from his connection to his own community and country is one take on it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, Annie. Hello? Listen, I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace Worthcast Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm. For a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. <laughs> the story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au, direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 9419 8377 during business hours. All funds raised go to keeping 3CR on air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Barbie. Time it's on. 
And that's it for Showreel this morning. Uh, coming up next is Published or Not. Go out there and uh, check out Namajira Project. It's really worth seeing. Special treatment, Paul Kelly. Grandfather walked this land in chains A land he called his own He was given another name And taken into town He got special treatment Special treatment Very special treatment My father worked a twelve-hour day As a stockman on the station The very same work But not the same pay As his white companions He got special treatment Special treatment Very special treatment You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.